Hello and welcome. We are here live with the Matt Van Boris of Remax. The, I think the. you meant to say the Matt Van yeah. Boris. Excuse me, <laughs> the. What did I say? You said the. Oh, or the, the. the. I say the. That's okay. right. The, I usually say the lovely. The but. lovely, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, thanks for coming today, Matt. Yeah, thanks for having me. We've been talking hockey with Matt. We have been. Before we were on air. So, uh, don't you guys call yourselves the... The hockey realtors. The hockey realtors, right? <laughs> yeah. Is your, uh, are the other people on your team? That's team? my personal oh, brand right okay. now that I, uh, yeah, I started about, it's been about a year and a half. I was kind of branded to that. And so now it's just kind of step one is obviously my personal brand growing. Step two is, you know, as the business develops, evolves, kind of grow it bigger and, you know, bring more guys with hockey backgrounds or things like that onto the team. That's awesome. um, genius. I love it. Yeah. I've, yeah. Uh, I've had a, you know, a few conversations with people kind of around. Um, I was actually on a podcast not that long ago, and they were hockey guys from out east, and they were kind of asking about it, and they were like, oh, that's genius, right? Because they work a lot with the PHPA, which is the Professional yeah. Hockey Players Association, which is the, the association that's below the NHLPA. And so, part of it. you know, they were kind of like, wow, that's brilliant. We can, you know, get you in touch with people from there and things like that. So was it the podcast with those the two ex-college guys? Yep. What are their names? Mealy and oh yeah, they're pretty fine. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't. Do you want me to give? No, it's, yeah, yeah, other shoutouts. Yeah, no, I wasn't gonna give other shoutouts. Yeah, it's uh, awesome stuff. So have you thought of teaming up with uh, an orthodontist or maybe something? <laughs> that hasn't crossed my mind yet, but that's brilliant. Like I saw Hockey Mom Brownies teaming up with them for a little skating event in a couple weeks, and so just kind of thinking of unique ways to diversify my, or I guess uh, not diversify integrate myself within the hockey community and yes. other businesses so. you, you should go meet uh, gosh I used to go to the Woodbury, the Woodbury the wild dentist when you say the wild dentist you mean like <laughs> wild and crazy yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Minnesota wild he does a lot of their stuff but uh, yeah. it's all hockey players in there but yeah. anyways back to Matt Van Boris yep. uh, did I say that right? yeah That's say good. it again for us just for everyone else Van Boris Van Boris yep Jessica, can you say that? Van Voris. <laughs> there you go. I forgot to introduce. I have my uh, wingman, Mr. Stieg Sandell, and our business development manager, Jessica Von Barron. Good afternoon. Um, yeah, good afternoon. Is it afternoon already? Morning. Yes. Morning. morning. Good afternoon. <laughs> so, Matt, how did you grow up playing hockey here in Minnesota? Yep. And then you went to Ann Arbor to play hockey. Yep. And then professional hockey. How did you ever get into real estate? Actually, like a lot of people had to during COVID had to figure out maybe a new industry or a new passion or a career or something like that. And that's kind of the same thing for me. I was playing hockey in the ECHL and COVID cut our season short. And so they sent us home and through our players association, they offered to pay for college classes, but I already had my degree. My degree was in real estate and property development at the University of Denver. And so I knew I wanted to get into real estate. And so I figured I'll get my license. So I reached out to the Players Association and asked if they would pay for my oh. real estate classes. Mm. And they agreed to. And so took the classes, saved me some money, and then hopped into it right away. My father-in-law sells real estate as well. And so he kind of brought me on to mentor me. And I actually signed a contract for the following year to go back, but then the following year my team folded, so there was no season. Well, what so then team was that? The Kalamazoo Wings. Oh, they folded. Okay. Yeah, and so they folded just for the season, and so I was like having some success in real estate, and so I was like, you know what, I might as well just keep going with it, and had a well, pretty good year my first year. So, Matt's modest. I heard a different story on the street. <laughs> <laughs> Matt always wanted to be a real estate baron, but he just 
was using professional hockey as a backup. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now the dream is coming true. You can stop playing hockey and, and think about that. But no, that's yeah. that's fantastic. I also see you've got a map White Bear Lake on your hat too. Yep. Tell us about that. Yeah, so this was kind of when I initially came up with the idea of um, branding to the hockey realtor. I hired somebody to design a logo for me, and I was just kind of sending them little ideas of, you know, what do I want on there? My wife and I had just bought a house in White Bear. My office was White Bear, and so I'd kind of planted roots there. And it was, you know, what do I, I guess, how do I portray that in a logo while not, mm-hmm. I guess, limiting myself just to White Bear? Right. And so they kind of came up with this logo where it was it, the downtown, well, it's supposed to be downtown Skyline in Minneapolis. I don't think it actually is. And then, um, <laughs> when did we get a space? I know, I'm looking at that. I'm like, huh. And then I was like, you know, I might as well put that over the lake to kind of pay homage to the area. Yeah. Eventually, I think, as the, the brand grows, the white bear can be, or lake can be kind of swapped in with other things, you know, whether it's if you're over in Minnetonka, you could put an anchor there. If you're in Stillwater, you could put a pony there or something like that, you know, and just kind of cater it to to the different areas of the city. And That's so awesome. that was kind of the idea behind behind that, more or less. So. And uh, so Matt took his hat off to show us, and he's got a heck of a hockey yeah. flow Sad. under there. He missed my hair. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it is hockey season. So yeah. you're That's true. That's and you true. coach now, right? Yep. So I've been coaching uh, White Bear Lakes high school hockey program. I work mainly with the JV team, and then I'm also on the ice for the varsity team, helping them with, uh, you know, implementing systems and just little details on the ice. Cool. And then I'm kind of just eye in the sky or eyes in the sky during the games. Just There's a new see. head coach of White Bear Lakes. Right? Yep. Chris Anderson just oh. took over as the head job, and so we have a. Pretty good coaching staff between him. He has he played at St. Cloud State, and then uh, Tim Hamley, who played at Duluth, has over 700 pro games. He's on the staff. Brandon Wallen, who played some college hockey at UMass, and then finished off at Eau Claire, myself, and then Trevor Olson, who played at North Dakota, is my co or my associate head coach with the JV team. So him and I kind of just split the duty together oh, for JV. Awesome. So. Brad and I have played hockey our whole lives. Yeah. Uh, Brad's better sure. than I am, but uh, and not Jess much. and Matt's better than both of us. Matt, well, that's not saying all that much. But anyway, uh, and Jessica's been in the youth hockey, and I think I speak for all of us when I ask. I think it's time you clear something up for us. Can you yep. please explain icy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you first off. The icing. And, and, oh, by the way, I coach hockey. But yeah, I will say I think the icing rule in high school hockey and below is, can I use the word garbage here yeah. and get myself in trouble? But icing more or less, it's kind of a silly rule. Yeah. I think what they've adopted now in the NHL, yeah. college and junior level is a lot better. And I've been a huge proponent because I coached squirt hockey last year and everything is about ice time, ice time, ice time. And why would we implement a rule? that stops time to eat more time away from kids, especially at when I coached the score day level last year. Yeah. And so the, you know, the icing rule in the NHL is if puck gets thrown all the way down the ice from your side of the red line and the player, the offensive player is going to beat it out. You just let it play in <laughs> squirts. They blow it down and it's running time <laughs> yeah. and you get all these little kids running around before you know it. A minute oh. is blown by yeah. and we've wasted a minute of ice time and they don't pass at a high level yet. Right. And so if you get 10 of those in a game, 
five to ten minutes of just wasted time. Why not? You know, at that level, especially when you have kids who are faster and whatever, if they beat it out, let's just keep playing. Um, I'm convinced I'll be right out. I got a call on Mr. USA Hockey. Yep. I knew there was a reason I never made it to the pros. Yep. All that downtime. Yeah. Well, and it drives me crazy in high school hockey as well because Mm -hmm. a lot of teams that we play their strategy is just slow the game down and just throw it down the ice, throw it down the ice, right? And it it's like, like my yeah, it's like, right? it's like, why not, you know, incorporate this new strategy in to teach these kids, Great. you know, a different way to play, but also get them ready for the next level. Because all of them want to play junior hockey, or not all of them, but a majority of them do. Why are we going to limit them from, you know, I guess transferring to that style of game. So to answer your question, icing <laughs> is just a stupid role. <laughs> We've broken it down. Yeah. All right, let's talk real estate. Brad, what do you got? Yeah, real estate. The um, One more question back. Yeah. How old were you when you moved away from home? I was 16. 16. Ooh, yeah. You were a white bear than you. I was at Edina. Or excuse me, you were at Edina. Yep. Did you grow up in Edina? I was born in Grand Forks. <laughs> yeah, P.O. Box. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was happen. I was born actually in Grand Forks. Lived there till I was twelve. My mom took a job in the city, so then we moved down to nice. the Minneapolis area and ended oh, up at Edina. Okay. And so that's how I ended up there. And then well, we won't hold that against you, will we? No, uh, <laughs> a lot of so people do. How did, how did moving away from home? playing in that program and all that stuff. How does it compare to real estate? Was that scarier or was real estate hey, scarier? Question. Moving away from home was actually probably one of the biggest life development things for me because right. it just put me in such an un- uncomfortable situation at a young age that now I'm not in a ton of uncomfortable situations right. in general. Like there's still times yeah. I am, but kind of that fear of trying something new has gotten less and less because right. you know at a young age when you try something completely new it's yeah. you know you kind of learn to adapt and things like that and so I've, I've lived now in I think 10 different locations since I was 16 right. you know mm-hmm. traveling around playing and so it's just kind of become comfortable moving a little bit now it's kind of learning to plant seeds in a location that has been a little bit more of a challenge right. but <laughs> Yeah, there's all kinds of great transferable skills from sports, but yeah, moving away from home young is, uh, not, hockey's the only sport that really does it. But yeah, remember, but. well, and one thing that I've found it helps for me personally is, you know, this business is a relationship-oriented business, yes. and so when you're moving from locker room to locker room every year, you get a new team or whatever, you got to learn to make friends with people pretty yeah. quickly because right. you only get eight to nine months at a time with them. Right. So you got to learn to develop relationships become friends, you know, learn to trust other people in a short amount of time. And yeah. so I think that's helped me build skills in that regards where if I'm sitting at an open house and I meet somebody, you know, my chances of connecting with them and landing them as a client are a lot better just because I can right. so I can associate with them, I can build a little connection or rapport pretty quickly and then build that trust through just a couple of meetings. So Maybe snap them with a towel in the shower. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is why we want to have you here in person. Yeah, like yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. So real estate, you're almost four years in, and you've had a ton of success, which is great. And I know the three of us sitting here, we can see why, because we talk to a lot of agents, and you just ooze the confidence and positivity that you need to to be successful in real estate, but tell our listeners kind of why your team has been successful, what sets you guys apart. I think the reason for it is from meeting, I guess part of it, I guess let me kind of get my thoughts together here. So I feel like I do have success just from my past and the things that, you know, my where I've come up 
and I put a lot of time and effort into my first year of kind of owning my craft, coming up with a script. Like I do, a lot of my businesses come from, or business comes from open houses. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I took the time and the effort to grind through it that first year, get my three open houses a weekend. And I was able to close 23 transactions my first year. A majority of them came from open houses. And I think the common misconception for people coming into the industry was, you know, you get your license and all your friends and your family are going to work with you. Yeah. And <laughs> in my first year, I didn't do one single transaction with anybody I knew. Right. It was my second year when people started coming to me. And I think part of that reason for it was I had, to, yeah, I had to prove to them my first year that I was could be successful in the business. I was competent and I was going to stay in it because you see all the time in our industry, loan officers, yeah. real estate agents, insurance agents, things like that. You know, they come in for three months get out right. come in for six months get out you know and they just can't stick with it and so you know you give your business to somebody and then they're out and you kind of that trust goes away and so I think I was able to earn people's trust that first year and within that first year I, I had a, a pretty solid strategy that I called the process I learned that from a coach that I played with at the University of Denver is coming up with your process focus on your process the results will come from the process you know my strategy it wasn't rocket science it's pretty simple anybody can do it but it's like do three open houses a week pass out five business cards to people you don't know try to talk to five people that are in your sphere over the phone to just connect with them let them know you're in the industry try to have 10 conversations with random people you don't know which a lot of them would happen at open houses and then I had two other ones that I just oh I was like put out like three social media posts a week and then I can't remember the seventh one but basically I didn't need to do all seven tasks every week, right. but I needed to hit five out of seven of the week. So for me, that was considered a win or a, you know, within our team at the University of Denver, we had our seven points. If we were on the road and we hit five out of seven of those points, we'd win the game. If we were at home, we hit four out of seven, we'd win. And so I just kind of transferred. If I hit five out of seven in a week, that's a win for that week, and you accumulate no, enough great. wins over no. the, over time. So. And oh, by the way, Matt won a national championship at the University of Denver in 2017, right? I did. Who did you guys beat again? We beat Minnesota Duluth. Oh, you sorry to our Duluth fans. <laughs> was that the one at the XL? No. Uh, Chicago United Chicago. Center. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and so it was pretty fun. I I was fortunate enough. Through my four years at the University of Denver, my first year we had first year head coach, Jim Montgomery. So I came in freshman year with him as a brand new coach. And so I got to build with him over four years and really see what a process does. You know, if you can, or I guess uh, if you stick with it and stay consistent to it. So my first year, we were okay. We We got hot at the end of the year. We won our conference tournament, made the NCAA tournament, and then we got blown out by Boston College. And okay. I, kid named Johnny Gaudreau was pretty yeah. good. <laughs> Who uh, Montgomery had a debut. He had a debut, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he kind of kicked the crap out of us alone. Then um, my second year, we kept building, got a little bit better, made the NCAA tournament, went a step farther again. Then my third year, we our team was really good. We finished, I think we were a, a two seed in the NCAA tournament. We just missed being a one seed. Went all the way to the Frozen Four, mm-hmm. lost to North Dakota in the semifinal mm-hmm. in a heartbreaker. And then my senior year, we went the whole way. And wow. so every year, we were just, better. yep, took little steps, and our record got a little bit better every year. And so it was kind of a, it was just a good, I don't know what, what you would call it, but um, progression. progression or, yep, exact case study, if you will, yeah, yeah. of, you know, putting the time and the effort in and growing over 
a longer period. Growing up in Grand Forks, did anyone in your family play hockey, or were you the lone soldier in the family, just the, or were there uh, aunts, uncles, parents that played? My dad played hockey, and he, he was a coach for Banamaze in Grand Forks for a long time. Okay. I think he coached about 25 years in Banamaze, and then so as a young kid, I was going to all the practices and oh. things like that, and he was a little bit of an innovator for as a a coach so he had his USA hockey level five masters so he really studied the game he was a lawyer but hockey was his passion so he studied the game and kind of one thing that he did I'll give him credit for was he started incorporating goalie practices into his practices and learned how to do it because people weren't doing it at the time and there weren't any quote-unquote goalie coaches and so he would bring the goalies out at 6 a.m before school to do goalie specific practices oh, mm-hmm. he would bring any of the kids on his team out to shoot I would go out and shoot right. at the time the parents were all like you guys are this is stupid why would we ever kids go at 6am <laughs> and he turned out he was pretty brilliant in his thought strategy right. so he was doing stuff like that dry land before it was really became a thing he was taking wow. his kids for some to do it so hmm. pretty smart individual do you know the Bollinger family in Grand Forks? I don't he oh. probably does his I, dad Brooks works at Bell with us here he's on the financial planning side but yeah, you know, he's a big quarterback. But his dad coached at uh, I think the University of Grand Forks football. Okay, time. yeah, I'm, I'm sure, sure my dad. Yeah, he sure probably knows the name. Yeah. He knows it's a small town, so it's like you say one name, and he's like, oh, I know. <laughs> right, right. You know, typical. On to real estate. What are what are you kind of seeing in the market nowadays? Or what date is it? Valentine's Day yet? No, Almost <laughs> a week away. Always Valentine's yeah. Day in the Goulet house. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I've already started planning my Valentine's gift yeah, early uh, this year. You don't so have I don't, kids yet, dude. No, I don't. There's a lot of so. pressure on you. Yeah, exactly. Brett, are you listening? Hell no. So anyway, beginning of the month, or beginning of the year, excuse me, I got really busy, a lot of phone calls. As of probably the last two weeks, Ever been, the same. been slow. And I think that's just because interest rates started dropping. We were seeing them go in the right direction down. Yeah. And then I think since they peaked back up a little bit, it may have slowed activity down. I don't know, though. Right, right. It's hard to say until I guess we get a couple more weeks in and really see it. Yeah. I also, and I was thinking about this on the way over here, to me, I'm like, why, why aren't we seeing more houses yet? But I'm like, Wait, it's still February. Know, it feels like April. Yeah, but yeah. there's no snow on the ground. The weather's been nice, and so my yeah. brain is in spring mode. Yeah. And so I think that's also kind of why I'm like, what the heck's going on here? Right. You know, and if we get a storm in a couple weeks or a week or whatever, then brain will probably go back to winter mode and yeah. things like that. So that's kind of what I'm seeing. The first time home buyer house is not in your 300s per se anymore there's still some out there but crazy. you're looking more 400 mm-hmm. for it which is kind of crazy to me is it ever yeah so yeah and the, the the experts and when I say experts yes I do meet Brad and Steve yeah. <laughs> I mean the the National Association of Realtors um, Minnesota or uh, the National Mortgage Bank Association are predicting that those first time home buyers are going to be the largest segment of buyers in 2024 yep and I know you know that, and, and we know that here. We're, we've been positioning ourselves to, uh, with our affordable products and down payment assistance. Are you, are you talking to a lot of people who are looking to buy their first home and kind of when they see what the first time sort of the entry-level houses cost, are they, is there some sticker shock there? Is there some, do they have to kind of get used to that and feel it out? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I've known, well, I've, 
most of my, the people I've been working with and talking to as of late are first-time home buyers. Yeah. I think back in the fall, it was move-up buyers, and then I was right. going out showing them houses what they can get. <laughs> yeah. You know, and they're like, "So you're telling me I got to sell my 3,000 square foot house and pay the same price for a right. 2,000 square foot?" Mm-hmm. So I think that was sticker shock to them. The first-time home buyers. The the thing now that I'm really working on educating and talking through with is, you know, they they go in and, and part of it's the social media effect where you see these houses, all these nice houses online, they're beautiful, they're updated and mm-hmm. things like that. It's funny, I had a conversation with my wife because yeah. we bought more of a fixer upper in White Bear. Was, you know, we've done a lot of work, replaced flooring, yeah. painted walls, you know, all the, the basic things. And, you know, she, she saw a house on Instagram. <laughs> She's like, well, why can't we have that? And I was like, well, I'll pull it up and show you. <laughs> the home is a $750,000 house. I'm right. like, that's, you know, for most people, especially a first time home buyer, it's just not right. realistic. Yeah. And so it's kind of working with kids and she was just in a house yesterday. It was a Rambler and New Hope for 325,000. It's a pretty nice house, but needed some paint, needed, you know, flooring, kind of your typical mm-hmm. minor cosmetic updates. You know, it's educating them that these things are doable. Yeah, it takes a little bit of sweat equity and some time and effort, but they're doable for you to do. And if you put the time in, then you're going to see your value, especially in a market where we're at the peak right now. You know, we think it's going to keep going up, but what happens if it doesn't? Right. Okay, how are we going to handle this situation? Do you want to buy something that's fully updated, that's smaller, that you're likely going to have to move out of in three to five years, right. where if the market does dip, you could be under underwater a little bit or things, or you might have to stay and if you have kids and whatever, you're just going to grow out of it. Mm-hmm. Or do you look at something that's a little bit bigger, you put a little equity into it yeah. that as you put that equity in, your price goes up. And then if the market dips, you can at least kind of help balance that out or stay there longer term. Right. And so that's the biggest conversation I'm having with people as of now. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's great advice. In your group, is it just, I know it's your father-in-law, and you said there's one other person, right? There was. He. Oh. So we actually, okay. we made a transition. We were with the XP Realty. Okay. We went back to Remax yeah. Results. He stayed at the XP, and so we kind of split mm-hmm. things there. And do you and your father-in-law work to get, like, same team, or is it just you're independent, but you help each other? Independent, but co-brand and co-market mm-hmm. on some things. He's transitioning down to Florida. Oh. And so he's licensed in Florida, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and so he's now working on growing we a brand. Should, and we should meet him. Yeah, he's. Uh, We're down there once a month. We have people on our team down there. Yeah, part of Florida, Sarasota. Oh yeah, sure. And so yeah, he's working the Sarasota, Bradenton, a little bit of Tampa, kind of uh, St. Petersburg. That's a little north of where we are, but we have family there. But gosh, we go we go down there once a month, and there's. 25 people that we know down there. They're yeah. All from here. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> wow. what he said. That's why he says Florida's so great is it's yeah. nobody's from there. They all choose to be there. Yeah. Right, so. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, gosh, thanks for being on today, Matt. Time yeah. flies when you're having fun. We're at 23 minutes. Yeah, if if you're looking to buy or sell, give Matt a call. You won't be disappointed. Steve and I and Jessica, we see a lot of agents. And, uh, yeah, you won't be disappointed if you hire Matt to help sell your home or help find them a new one. So, We'll have to have you back maybe with your father-in-law for episode two. Absolutely. <laughs> he's, he's a hoot. He'd love to talk. So he's a great, he's a great guy. Wasn't that painful, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> how, would, how would the person on the street, you know, who stumbles upon our podcast, how would they find you? Yeah. What they want? The big, I'm big on Instagram is my main. I'm just the hockey underscore realtor. And then you can find me on Google as well. If you look up Matt Van Voris, the hockey realtor, I should pop up on a Google listing there. And those are in my con. You can find all my contact information on there. 
Uh, thanks for coming today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah.